Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page, and I'm joined today by Titania Jordan with Bark Technologies, who is here to talk to us about internet safety. Welcome, Titania. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. And I am thrilled for the opportunity to get to learn from you today. Before we get started, I want to tell our listeners a bit more about you. Titania Jordan is the Chief Marketing Officer and Chief Parent Officer of Bark Technologies, an online safety company that helps keep kids safe online and in real life. A renowned thought leader on digital parenting and a frequent subject matter expert, Titania has contributed to numerous articles in well-known publications and appeared on nationally broadcasted programs. Her first book, Parenting in a Tech World, was published in 2020 and quickly became a bestseller on Amazon. In 2017, Titania founded a Facebook group where parents could come together and get advice on raising kids in the digital age, share stories, and learn the latest news about social media. It now has more than 260,000 members and is growing rapidly. Titania, as we jump into our conversation today, we're entering a new year. What are the trends you are seeing when it comes to our kids in digital spaces that parents really need to be aware of in 2023? We are just releasing our annual report. Every year we showcase our findings from the billions of messages that our algorithm scans across text and email and social media. So <laughs> this topic is top of mind, um, whether it's self-harm and suicide um, or predation, depression, disordered eating, all of these issues are at, at such high rates that if you're not in this space, you know, at you know the intersection of parenting and tech, it truly is mind boggling. Um, just over the past year, we saw that 35.7% of tweens, you know, eight to 12 year olds and 64.3% of teens were involved in a self-harm or suicidal situation. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the bark alerts uh, that live under this umbrella of that topic and can be anything from text messages about cutting to an email draft of a suicide note and for those of you listening who don't know, suicide is the second leading cause of death for children in this country. So um, we have a, a lot more stats. I promise this won't be an entire <laughs> session of Debbie Downer stuff and hard stuff to process, but it's important. We need to talk about this. We need to know about these things. And that's a good um, foundation for us to start off on just knowing um knowing how important this is for parents to be paying attention. So that's some really scary information, but for me as a mom also pushes me to think I've got to get more information. I need to know more. So first off, obviously every child, every family is different, but is there a certain age you recommend families wait until for kids to have a smartphone, to be on social media, or are there some more general indicators you recommend parents look for to help them kind of gauge when their kids have the maturity and responsibility to handle those spaces? Excellent question. Before 
we launched a smartphone, my answer was different. <laughs> and it was due to a couple of factors. You know, iPhones are, are terrible first phones for, for kids. Um, Androids, as a general rule, are safer. Um, and there just really wasn't a great solution for, you know, if your child is going to have a smartphone on the market. December of 2022, Bark launched a, what I believe is the safest yet coolest smartphone for kids. It can be as functional or as limited as you want as the parent, which is great because there are some options out there that are only limited. There are always only limited. And so as your kid grows, it doesn't work for them anymore. Um, all of that said, I am not advocating for parents to run and go get their kid a smartphone. Uh, I firmly believe that delay is the way. I think my friend Chris McKenna of Protect Young Eyes uh, coined that phrase, and I love it. it. It's truly the best way to go about things. I've never heard a parent say, ah, I waited too long. I really should have let my kid, you know, have a smartphone sooner or get Snapchat sooner. Nope, never heard that. And then conversely, I've heard way too many parents, and I have felt this way myself, uh, say, I did it too soon. I did it too soon. So trust your gut. Delay is the way. Every child is different. So I can't give a blanket. You know, age 13 is the perfect age. And also there's, you know, families that uh, have dual households where or, or health issues that require a child having that immediate access to just dial 911 or an emergency contact. So it depends. <laughs> um, if you do decide to get your child a smartphone, make sure it is a safer smartphone. The Bark smartphone is the safest option out there, but if you that's not uh, what you're going to go with, make sure you've looked into the parental controls that are available for whatever smartphone you do go with. That's great information. I know, um, as like you mentioned, as a mom, um, my household has struggled through this conversation, having an oldest, fairly responsible kid who has some health um, and some anxiety issues who for her safety needed to have a phone yeah. that that was it was hard to make that decision and it's also hard to say to her younger brothers just because sister got this phone at this age does not mean that's what's going to happen for you um man that's the hard part of parenting too that every child in your own household is so different um and, and kind of having to really make these decisions based on each individual child and and your family values as well Absolutely. And it's important to give yourself grace, you know, especially with, with a first child or an only child, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Um, and it's okay to go to your child and say, Hey, I made a mistake. I said, you could have TikTok. Turns out that's not what's best for you. And so we're going to need to delete that from your phone for these reasons. I know you're not happy with this, but it's because I care about you and I love you. And it's okay to let them know you made a mistake, whether it's letting them watch a movie or letting them download that song or that app. We're going to make mistakes and it's okay to be vulnerable with your children in that way. That's such good advice and good reminders that just because we make a certain decision today, if we get more information and find out that's not the right decision, we can change our minds. I think that's a hard, a hard thing for parents, especially moms to remember. So I'm glad, I'm glad you are affirming that for us. <laughs> So when our kids are, when we've decided that they're ready to get into social media and more digital spaces, what are some basic ground rules you suggest parents set 
And what kinds of foundational conversations do we need to be having with our kids along the way? Wow. Okay. You're probably gonna have to cut me off because there's a lot to unpack here. So jump in at any time. I would say having conversations around PII, that's personally identifiable information are critical. Don't let your kids have public accounts. Make sure they are private and make sure when they have, you know, when they're creating their username or putting information in their bio, it doesn't say, you know, their graduation year or where they play sports or their real first name and last name. Um, you know, anything that can identify them and help a tricky person or a predator get in contact with them or use certain information against them, we want to avoid. Um, also make sure that whatever they do have, y'all are going into settings together. You know, let's say it's Instagram. Go into, you know, make sure it's it's private. Um, look at the direct message settings. Uh, go over with them how to report something. You know, say, hey, even if you're just following your friends, which I recommend, don't let them be connected with anybody online that they don't know in real life. But let's say they have 200 friends that they're connected with on Instagram. They're still going to probably see something that isn't ideal for them. And if they need to report, let's say, bullying or uh, self-harm content or sexual content, show them how to do that. Say, hey, here's how you can report something that isn't okay to be out there. Um, go through that process with them of learning alongside them. You know, it's okay if you've never downloaded the app, but make sure you do it <laughs> at least the same day that they do. Um, so yeah, protecting their identities, uh, limiting uh, their connections, going over what they're going to encounter, because it's really not a matter of if, but when, and then also not freaking out and letting them know that you're a safe place. If they're afraid to come to you because they think you're going to punish them or take away their access, they're never going to come to you with anything. Remain calm and let them know you're a safe place and you'll help them navigate it together. That's great advice. Um, and online safety in general is one of those many topics as parents that can't just be a one and done conversation. Yes. So as our kids get older, as they're gaining more independence, maybe they're getting ready to, to move out of our home. They're 18 yeah. and they're going on to the next phase of life. How can we continue to talk to them about their safety online as they get older and as we're giving them more independence? Great question. So, you know, we we tend to think about physical or imminent danger a lot. And so obviously just reiterating the, you know, hey, if you go on vacation, don't check in <laughs> or post those pictures and tag that location until you get back, right? Um, you know, if you are posting photos online or selfies online, make sure it's not like with your home address shown in the background or even what the exterior of your home looks like, whether it's white brick, red brick, whatever. Um, just little, little nuances to help protect you from unsuspecting uh, dangerous people. But what we also don't talk about enough is the, the mental health aspect of things. There's just the amount of time we spend on devices, right? Uh, you know, the, the, blue light that's keeping us awake at night, the addictive quality of the gamification of certain apps, and just the algorithm, how it's working to keep us in inside of that app as long as possible, because it's how it makes money, 
having those conversations around the fact that we, the humans, we are the product <laughs> and we need to be in control of our, our digital lives is critical. And also the comparison trap. If I had Instagram, TikTok, the internet as a 13, 14, 18 year old, I might not be on this planet anymore because I would not feel worthy enough. Um, we tend, we as humans tend to base our self-confidence and self-worth on the opinions of others and nothing exacerbates that more than social media. So encouraging them to, to really pay attention to how everybody's putting their perfect filtered best lives out there and not showing you the full picture, even on apps like Be Real uh, is you know a critical conversation for their health. What are some ways, obviously we all get caught in that comparison trap. So as parents, we're giving our kids that advice, we're talking to them about it. What are some things that we can be saying or encouraging them to say to themselves that are going to help contradict that in, in everyday life? We can start by modeling. I mean, if you are, let's say, taking a, a photo of your family, you know, everybody get together. Um, are you hyper fixated on getting the perfect shot? Do you have to take 20 pictures or can you be okay with the five? You know, um, is there a pile of laundry in the background that you have to move because it looks terrible? You know what I mean? Like all those little nuances that you are modeling are really stronger than anything you can say directly to them. Um, be okay with being vulnerable and or trying to live more in the moment versus having to capture every moment. You don't have to photograph everything. You don't have to take a video of everything. Just enjoy it as a human. Burn that memory into your brain versus your camera roll. That's great advice. Yeah, that, that's a tricky part of parenting, right? That modeling piece. We want to know how to parent our kids in the best way possible. And a lot of times that means that we have to first look at our own actions. So that's such a good reminder. Let's talk about monitoring our kids' safety online. How, what are the most effective ways that parents can monitor our kids' online activity, prevent unsafe situations? And, and the other part of this I think that's important is we have to talk to them about why it's important and necessary for us to monitor them. Absolutely. You know, a, a great way to start that conversation is by using real life analogies around their safety that you already utilize and that they can't argue with. You know, they have to have a car seat. They have to wear a seat belt. Um, they have to wear sunscreen if they're going to be in the sun for an extended period of time. They have to go see the pediatrician at least once a year. Like there are things that we do as parents that we may not love, but they save your life. They keep you safe. And just like it's our job as parents to help keep them safer in the physical realm, we have to do that in the digital realm, especially if they're spending, you know, three, seven, 15 hours <laughs> a day online. Um, it's just as important to keep them safe there. So on that note, you can say to them, you know, there's a couple ways I can go about this as a parent. I can literally take your smartphone and go through everything. I can get on your gaming consoles and play as you like, I can be really invasive about this or I can use monitoring software like Bark that will alert me when there's a problem, which means I don't have to go into all of your business. But if there is somebody that is trying to hurt you, um, or if you are struggling in any way, shape, or form, I can get insight into that and help you, not punish you, but help you. 
Tell us more about the options that Bark Technologies offers for parents to monitor our kids. Sure. So Bark launched as an app uh, that had a very powerful algorithm that would analyze children's text, email, social media, detect dangers, and then send that danger to a parent to identify you know, what to do with it. And we also give you best recommended next steps for how to address these things, because it's not easy. These are not easy conversations that we're prepared for necessarily. So that's how, how Bark started. And we still have that, that flagship application, which is incredible, helps to protect over 6 million children across the nation. We then expanded to support the school system because kids are using tech in schools and these problems are happening in schools. And so we offer our technology free to any school in the nation that wants to use it. Uh, we quickly then expanded to offer more protections inside the home um, because our app connected to children's devices and accounts, but there are some uh, there's some tech, you know, for example, like Xbox and and Playstations and that sort of thing that live with inside the home that an app can't connect to, but you still need to help protect. So we launched the Bark Home that helps with the in-home aspect of, of filtering and monitoring and time limits. And then finally, I mentioned, uh, as we were talking earlier, the Bark smartphone, because so many kids are getting smartphones as young as six, seven, eight, nine, ten, And the options that existed out there were not ideal for kids and their safety and their uh, desire to utilize tech and for parents that wanted to help keep them safer. So Bark app, Bark for schools, Bark home, Bark phone. We've got you covered no matter how your kid is, is interacting with tech. That's so great to know all the options available. Let's talk about cyberbullying. Um, as a mom of three, this is a huge concern to me. And I know it is for parents everywhere. So first, how do we effectively educate our kids on the realities of cyberbullying? And like you mentioned, really work to create that environment where they know when and how to report concerns. This is such a powerful conversation to have over a variety of ages and stages. Based on the data, most recently, you know, 71% of tweens and 83% of teens experienced bullying either as a bully, which good kids make bad choices, uh, victim or witness. So it's going it's going to happen. One compelling thing to share with our children is that hurt people hurt people. And having a bit of compassion and understanding for the person that is spewing terrible things towards you helps you reframe the situation. Perhaps it's not even about you. They're just lashing out because they don't have enough love or support or because they were hurt. Um, so that's, that's important. Hurt people hurt people. It's going to happen. It's terrible. It's the worst. It doesn't define you. It doesn't last forever. Um, knowing that you have options, right? You don't have to take it. You can block it. You can report it. A lot of kids are hesitant to even bring it up to parents because they don't want you to call, you know, call that kid, call their parent, call the school, make your child even more of a target for bullying because they spoke up. That's a delicate nuance that really needs to be handled on a case-by-case -case basis. But please know that if it is, if it is relentless, if your child's mental health is being really affected, if they don't want to attend school, 
because of it, you can do something about it. There are cyberbullying laws in each state that are, are meant to help help protect your children. And most schools are a really great resource. Most schools have specific rules about what they will and won't tolerate, even when it comes to cyberbullying that's happening outside of the school building. Absolutely. And it is important to document, you know, take a screenshot, keep a record of it, um, especially on places, you know, that disappear. Uh, because some of the worst cases I've heard of of cyberbullying and even uh, children that have you know, died by suicide because of bullying a result of actions that there's no documentation of. So on the flip side of this, how do we prevent our kids from cyberbullying others? I wish there was a, a foolproof way to ensure that that didn't happen. Unfortunately, it's very hard, right? Uh, as I just said, good kids make bad choices. You know, I can even think back when I was a kid and mean things I may have said, even just about somebody behind their back that I regret now. I just wasn't mature enough at the time to realize the implications of that. So it's not something that we can really prevent, but at least talking about it opens the door, making sure that you are modeling kindness. You know, are you making unkind comments about your neighbors, <laughs> your frenemies, you know, are you, you know, how are you talking about other humans? Are you looking to lift them up? Or are you constantly criticizing? That's really important to model how to treat people. So your children will follow suit. It's, it's heartbreaking whenever we hear that our kids have not treated others kindly, it is going to happen but hopefully you can help mitigate it by modeling empathy and, and, you know, setting, setting expectations and guidelines for, Hey, if this happens, here's the ramification for that. If I find out that you have said anything unkind to somebody online, you don't deserve to have that access anymore. You will lose it. I think the other really hard part about this is being open to hearing that information that your child has made for choices. I mean, we kind of have this balance, right? Of we're always on our kids' team. We're always their, you know, biggest cheerleader, but we also have to be open to hear that they have made a choice that is not something we would have chosen for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and talk about this with your child, the frontal lobe of their brain with, that is responsible for decision-making and reasoning is not fully formed until their early 20s. They are literally not capable of optimal judgment and reasoning. So it's not an excuse. Right, but it is it's <laughs> important for them to know that, I think. Um, one of the other things that you mentioned in talking about cyberbullying is when our kids are the witness and, mm -hmm. and whether that's cyberbullying, whether it's pornography, whether it's suicidality or self-harm, um, I think that is such an important thing to talk to them about. Even if it's not happening to you, these are the things that you need to be looking for should alert you that, that you have a responsibility to report something to keep other people safe. Absolutely. I mean, and bring it back to them, 
right? It, it, it's more relatable for anybody if they can personally identify with the story. So ask your child, hey, was there a time when somebody was mean to you or hurt your feelings? Wouldn't it have been really amazing if somebody would have stood up for you? If somebody would have said, hey, that wasn't nice. Why did you do that? Good news is you can be that person for somebody else. You can be an upstander. You can, if you see something that's wrong or not okay, not speaking up is arguably just as bad as participating in it. You have to speak up. If you see something, say something. You might be the difference in honestly saving somebody's life. That's a lot of responsibility. Yes. For any of us, um, yes. which I think also goes back to parents being really thoughtful about when their kids are ready for all the fun parts of being online more, plus all of that responsibility as well. Yeah. You know, if I had unlimited time on this planet and unlimited time to study the why of humanity, I would really want to dig into what makes somebody kind? You know, there's there's some people that can't even fathom being mean to somebody. You know what I mean? Like it literally hurts their heart. Whereas as we know, there's other people that are hurting other people. And I honestly don't know why. And I would really like to know that. And I think if we can uncover that and crack that and help to educate and empower, we could really make a difference. But I know we won't solve that on today's episode. I wish we could. I do think there's so much to be said um, for your advice about in all scenarios, including online, helping our kids learn empathy. Um, That's such a key piece of, I think, raising great humans um, that they can have empathy for others in many different situations. Yeah, even even as I just thought of another example, even with trolls, right? Like, especially online, you look at the comment section and let's say you post something and you're getting some rude feedback in the comment section. You can block, you can delete, or you, you can engage, but not in an inflammatory way. You know, every action you take can either escalate a situation or de-escalate a situation. We want to de-escalate. If somebody's rude to me online, I usually try to take the high road and say, hey, I, I hear what you had to say and I, I don't agree with you, but I, you know, let's agree to disagree. You know, and you, you can just, you can diffuse it. And a lot of people just think because there's a, you know, a keyboard and a screen and you're not seeing somebody face to face that somehow removes the emotion and the impact from your words. And that's not the case. And that's such an important thing to reiterate to our kids again and again and again that we treat people online the way we'd treat them if we were standing in front of them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So much about all of this, I think, is complicated for parents today because most of us did not grow up fully in a digital age. So we are, we're parenting things and in ways that we have not experienced. So that just, to me, I know makes all of this, um, a little more complicated and feeling like I'm learning alongside, you know, my 11 year old. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, No, go ahead. 
As we close out today, Titania, tell us the number one thing you want parent listeners to remember about keeping kids safe online this year. Mm, Only one, number one. Please don't be that parent that thinks not my kid or I'll know if there's something wrong either with my kid or that my kid is doing. Based on the data I've seen, over the past seven plus years, I can assure you that's incorrect. Have the tough conversations much earlier than you might think and more frequently than you might think, whether it's pornography, predation, mental health, and everything in between. You will be on a much better path as a parent and your kid will be much better suited to navigate what's coming their way if you do that. That's such great advice. Thank you so much for joining us today, Titania. This has been incredibly helpful. I feel like I have learned so much and I feel more empowered as a parent to have these conversations with my kids and know how to effectively keep them as safe as I can. Awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. And thank you for having me. For our listeners, find more presentations by nationally renowned parenting experts like Titania through membership in the Modern Art of Parenting. Visit modernartofparenting.com to learn more about memberships, which are just $19 a month or $199 for the year with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Thanks everyone for listening. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.